Hey guys, this is Everything Missing or Murdered podcast. My name is Andrea. Hope everyone's having a great day today. So um, today is going to be, um, two. well, it's going to be two cases, um, but the second one is going to have a lot more going on than just two people missing. Um, but I figured it's important and their stories deserve to be heard as well. And I didn't have, um, I just wanted to combine them. So, I mean, they don't, they're not connected in any way. I just wanted to talk about them. And um, I also wanted to update everybody. I don't know if you've heard or pay attention to John Benet Ramsey case at all, but um, they revealed with DNA that it did not match key players early in unsolved slang, according to this Fox News article, which it, it just came out um, not that long ago on February 10th. <clears throat> So um, it's pretty recent, and um, so meaning that it did not match um, anyone in the family and others close to the case. So the police knew about this beforehand, but still made it seem like it was the family or close. Well, they didn't really necessarily blame any close friends, but they definitely blamed the family for the longest time. So I'm a little... I'm not a little. I'm very upset by that because I never believed it was her family, never once. And to make it seem like it, and they knew that the DNA did not match, yet they still continue to allude to the fact that it was her mom or her brother or her dad. It's just, that's upsetting. You know, like you need to focus on the actual person that murdered her, not the people that clearly didn't. You know what I mean? It just, it is what it is. Um, so I'm going to keep you guys updated on... Um, what's going to be happening because I feel like this is her year to get it solved. She deserves justice. She deserves to rest. So does her mom. Her mom died without knowing what happened to her daughter, like who did this to her daughter. So I would like this to be solved and hopefully soon, hopefully this year. I say that about every year. I say that every year when true crime, like for true crime cases that are not solved, this is going to be their year. So this is going to be her year. Okay. So let's start getting into these cases. Um, Sorry, when I talk about um, true crime, I just get so heated and because I just, I, I love, I, I care. I care about this. I care about this. So I, I just want everybody to get the right justice. Okay. So on September 12th, 1987 in Bradford, Pennsylvania, Dale Kerstetter got into his um, vehicle around 1030 that night and drove to the Corning Glass Works plant. He has been there for almost 30 years. Um, he works as a maintenance mechanic and on weekends he works as a security guard. He was early for, early for a shift. His shift was supposed to start at 11. He talked to the second shift security guard named Art Peterson. Everyone else left after that, leaving Dale by himself. He would sit in the office and walk the grounds. Right before seven the next morning, the first shift security guard, a man named John Lindquist, came to let Dale go from his shift. He expected to see him in the security office, but... He wasn't there. He checked the cafeteria and he was not in there either. But his lunchbox was there. Next to it was a newspaper, some cigarettes because Dale was um, big in smoking, and keys to the plant. Which to me is a red flag when keys to the plant that should be with somebody that needs to have them, if they're the only one there, should be with them. I mean, maybe it's one of those things where he got up and checked on something and didn't need the keys. You know what I mean? But I just... I don't know, like maybe he went to the bathroom or maybe he had to go throw something away um, or, you know, whatever. You'd think he would bring his keys with him after that, though. So makes you wonder. It's, it's a red flag to me. 
Also, none of his food was touched. So from the time that he got to work to 7 o'clock in the morning, none of his food was touched. That's another red flag. Also, um, Dale's vehicle was still in the parking lot, so he couldn't have gone anywhere, right? John looked all over and never found him. Dale Kerstetter wasn't the kind of person to just leave his post without telling anyone. Another employee came in and they both did a search of the building, but nothing was found. They eventually called the Pennsylvania State Police to report Dale missing. The police searched Dale's vehicle and found his keys in the ignition. Apparently, he would do that all the time, so he clearly had plans to get back to the tr- get back to his vehicle. That and it was new. It was a new vehicle, rather new. I don't know how new exactly, but it was a pretty new vehicle. They found cigarettes, um, a carton of them, in his in his back seat. So. If you're a, if you're somebody that's a smoker, why would you run away and leave them there? Cigarettes are a vice for some people. There's no way he would have left without them. Dale also kept a 22 caliber pistol inside um, the vehicle. He would go to the Allegheny National Forest and shoot small animals with it. He left that only in the vehicle. They did not find the gun inside. Could mean nothing, but who knows. The Pennsylvania State Police brought a trained dog to track them, um, track from his vehicle, and they tracked his scent into the building and around the, the factory inside. Then they went to the second floor in a room with a glass kiln inside. They used this kiln to manufacture glass rods for use in electrical resistors. Um, he didn't normally go in there. The kiln, the kiln at the time was only used a few times a year because of the recession that was going on. Basically, there was no real reason for him to even be in that room. The police searched the building and could not find Dale anywhere. They searched the woods around the plant and by the creek. They used the dogs, um, but they did not pick up his scent anywhere outside, just inside the building, from his vehicle to inside the building and around. So that's a little weird. A couple of days later, a manager came to the plant because this building had CCTV footage and he accessed it for the police. Does it really help, though? Well, let's discuss it. Um, the, the Corning Glassworks plant had four cameras, each one a different area of the plant. It constantly cycled between the four cameras, changing views fast, but it's something, right? It's better than nothing. After 11, um, right at the beginning of Dale's shift, a man wearing a mask was inside the plant. It's a ski mask. He moved to the security office and came in contact with Dale. They looked to be talking. He didn't know what they were saying. Unfortunately, it did not record any sound. After this, you see Dale walking to another one of the cameras with the person in the mask right behind him. His arms were hidden, so not sure if he had a weapon on him or or what. When they walk under the camera, though, there is a still of Dale looking right into the camera. This is the last time he is seen. You see the man in the mask on the second floor where the glass kiln is, and he comes out with something in his hand. He clearly took something from the kiln, but why? Later, you see him on the first floor taking some kind of, um, well, the article I read said like a forklift, which didn't really look like a forklift. It kind of looked like a bed, you know, like a bed cart that you pull heavy things on, um, he loads a bag onto some kind of that, that kind of bed thing and him and he pulls it and then he's gone. You don't see him again after that. 
So what they discovered is that this person used a hacksaw to remove some platinum tubing from inside, about 24 pounds of it. I'm not exactly sure how much that would be today, um, but I guess it would be really expensive. They tried to send the footage to the FBI because the footage is not the best. It's kind of grainy, but they couldn't fix it. Dale is not a suspect. I never really could think he would be. I get why someone would be suspicious, but what freaks me out is him staring right into the camera. Maybe it was a way to communicate somehow. I don't know. Plus, he's worked there for 30 years. Why all of a sudden start committing a crime there? Seems off to think otherwise. Dale had a good life. He had six kids and was not married, lived with his son and Four of his other daughters live nearby. He was a grandparent of two. He was a great dad and a good person and honest. Why would he ever leave like he left or harm the company he worked for? I ask you. I ask you this because I don't know. I don't know why he would do that. I don't believe because the police don't necessarily think he um, committed any crime, but the the company itself does, which I think is weird to me that they're going to like put this all on his shoulders. He. He was a dedicated employee for so long. I mean, I know some people snap, but I just don't agree. Dale's kids tried to get him declared legally dead in 1990. Um, they think he was killed that night because of the robbery. I agree robbery was a huge motive. Why else wear a ski mask? The attorney at the time, James Bryant, who represented um, Dale's kids and that he... He said he saw many men who would leave their wife, but none of them ever left their guns. All of his guns and everything he owned was left behind, except for that twenty-two pistol. But I don't think they ever found that. I never found any um, evidence of that. Like I said, the one that he always had in his a glove compartment or whatever. He didn't get to eat his lunch also, and he has a big smoker and his cigarettes he did not take them with which is a huge red flag to me when somebody goes missing and they have stuff like that plus he had a family like why would he leave I mean people are allowed to leave all they want but I just don't think this is what happened I don't agree that he stole something and I don't agree that he left why pick that night it's really weird the attorneys who worked for Corning Glassworks said well he could be dead but he could also have stolen the platinum they didn't release his pension or insurance money I honestly get that but did you not watch the footage he clearly wasn't he's a security guard why steal when the place has cameras everywhere that's another thing I don't understand that either the Pennsylvania Supreme Court sided with Corning Glassworks it's not that they believed he committed a crime just that there was no proof he was dead no proof he was alive either, though. He just got that vehicle, uh, so why leave that behind? Well, there's a theory that since he has that new vehicle, um, he couldn't afford it, and he didn't have a lot of money, but his, his, his family says that they would have given him money if he asked, so there's no way he would have just stolen from his job. The statute of limitations on the theft expired. There would be no need for him to still be in hiding. I mean, to this day, I just don't think someone would go this long without contacting their family, regardless if they stole something or not. And so, you know, the bag that the masked man had on that cart. Well, there's a theory that Dale was in there. Does anyone know what 24 pounds of platinum look like or like not look like but feel like or is it heavy enough that it needs to be put in a bag i have no idea 
Also, would you need something to help push the bag? I have no idea. That's the 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 rumor is that that had to have been Dale. I have no idea, but you never see Dale again. He is no longer he he's not here anymore. I have you haven't seen him since. Dale Kerstetter was 50 years old when he went missing. Um, he was he has brown eyes and gray hair. He is five foot four and 130 pounds. Dale was eventually declared legally dead in 2014. But I still think his family deserves answers to know what happened to him. Anybody who's in this situation deserves to be found and, you know, have, sorry, have answers brought to them about what happened to their family member. Sorry, I didn't mean for my phone to make a weird noise like that. Okay. Um. I read on the Unsolved Mystery Board on Reddit that some people who actually are from the town have never heard anyone think Dale had anything to do with this. I am not a cop or an expert, so do not take it as what I say is fact. I personally do not think he helped out in any way. Um, it's just one of those things. And let's look at the evidence. He didn't get to eat his lunch. Someone came in right at the beginning of his shift with the ski mask. Dale looks right into one of the cameras. That is so eerie because I honestly think he was trying to say something. I don't know what, but because I'm, you know, I'm not an um, expert, like I said. Um, and an avid smoker would not leave their cigarettes behind and not take his vehicle. I don't know. Just none of it adds up to me. I don't know what you guys think. Um But uh, I honestly think that he was unalived and um, and I hope that someday his family will get the justice they deserve and I hope that they get answers that they deserve. Everybody deserves answers in these kind of cases, um, but there's just no way somebody would go missing this long without saying something So um, if they did it on their own. And I never agreed to that. So I hope someday this case gets some answers. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's all I have for that case. But I'm keeping my eye on it because it's being talked about quite a bit. So I want to, I want to, um, I hope it gets solved soon. All right. So this one is, the reason why I picked this case is because it's two people that went missing together. Um, it's always hard to see even just one person going missing. So this is why I chose this case. Charlotte Kinsey was 13 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was last seen wearing a dark maroon t-shirt with white stripes and jeans. She has blonde hair and blue, blue eyes. She has a scar just below her left eye and a triangle-shaped birthmark on her lower back. Well, it's like bluish-grayish eyes. Sorry, I read that wrong. Um, Cinda Pallet was 13 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was last seen wearing a white shirt with dark blue sleeves. It had a ZZ Top logo on the front with a number 81 on the back and some jeans. She has brown hair and brown eyes. Um, she has a scar below her left eyebrow. On September 26, 1981, at the Oklahoma State Fairgrounds in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, was the last time Charlotte Kinsey and Cinda Pallet were seen. They were offered jobs as assistants of a worker to unload toys from a truck at the fair. Charlotte told her parents and her mom said she could, could, but she had to call home at nine. Charlotte and Cinda were supposed to spend the night at Cinda's house. This man they were working with was between the ages of 35 to 50 years old. He was about six foot one to six foot three and 200 to 250 pounds with dark hair, a mustache and a beard with gray streaks in them. He wore silver wire-rimmed glasses, a cowboy hat, brown-striped shirt, 
cowboy boots, and a yellow badge. This man drove a tan two-door Pontiac Grand Prix. He talked to other children at the fair as well, offering jobs for some cash. He asked two teenage boys, and they helped as well. He had all four, Cinda, Charlotte, and the two boys, in the car with him. He dropped the boys off at a parking lot at a truck stop because there was some sort of truck he was supposed to pick up, but the truck wasn't there, so he gave them some money. And he told the boys to wait while he went to go get it, but the girls stayed in the car with him, and they were never seen again after that. The police found a yellow badge that was described um, on the suspect's clothing. It had a name and a photo of a man named Don Corey. Um, there were sketches of the suspect that this Don Corey resembled those sketches. The police found him in Texas and charged him with two counts of kidnapping, but the charges were dropped. This Don Corey had proof he was in Dallas, Texas on September 26th. So um, how did this his badge get to the fairgrounds? Maybe from a different time or the suspect stole his badge and tried to take his identity since they resembled each other. Maybe the man that was seen with the two girls didn't actually work for the fairgrounds. That's an ongoing theory. The police ruled out any of the Oklahoma State Fair employees because their theory is that they were taken by someone posing as an employee. That makes sense to me, but also should they should really look into the employees as well. You know, I mean, you never know. A man named Royal Long worked as a carny and part-time truck driver, was considered a suspect slash person of interest. He looks similar to the man in the sketches. And I'm not saying look similar, actually, because I've seen the sketches. He looks pretty much exactly like the sketch, which is I've never seen before. I've never seen somebody look exactly like a sketch before. I mean, for how long I've been into true crime, I have not seen like that really good detail of it. Royal Long was charged with kidnapping and murdering Charlotte and Cinda in August of 1985. He was in Oklahoma City on September 25th, the day before Cinda and Charlotte went missing. He was delivering a flatbed trailer to some businesses, and he did say he went to the Oklahoma State Fair that day. He didn't know them, though, and said he wasn't involved. But the two boys that were paid at a truck stop and some other witnesses claimed he was the man with this, with Cinda and Charlotte, and he was seen talking to other kids as well. Royal Long has a history of being violent and sexually violent with younger women. The police found the Pontiac Grand Prix Royal rented um, this car, I guess, in 1981. They found hair that belonged to Cinda in the trunk of the car. The police searched his residence in Wyoming, where he lived, and found blonde hair, but the testing wasn't available to see if they're if the hair belonged to Charlotte. Well, it was not conclusive, I should say, really. On the mat in the trunk of the Grand Prix, there was a bloody boot print and other blood stains. It was not known if the blood came from Charlotte and Senda because they didn't have that kind of... The technology wasn't the best in the 80s, so let's just say that. In December 1985, Royal Long's daughter had a testimony about her father that was thrown out. The testimony of one of the two teenage boys and a lot of the physical evidence... The charges were dismissed. So so his testimony plus a lot of the physical evidence, um, they dismissed it. He is still considered the main suspect, which I am confused. Why would they throw out all of that? I mean, I am not quite sure the testimony of his daughter, um, but why the teenage boy? What would they have to gain to lie or whatever? The bloodstains, they couldn't test, but they found Cinda's hair in his trunk. Multiple people saw him with the, the girls. I don't understand. Royal Long is a suspect in the disappearances of Deborah Meyer and Carlene Brown, who 
who went missing in Wyoming in 1974. He pleaded guilty to kidnapping in 1984 of a Sharon Baldigal. She is still missing and was sentenced to two life sentences um, in prison. He died of a heart attack in 1993, so he didn't even really get to serve that long, which is messed up to me. Charlotte Kinsey loved poetry and roller skating. Her mom kept her room just the way she left it for a while. I cannot imagine going through this at all, and her disappearance is unsolved to this day. Um, Cinda Pallet was a shortstop for the softball team, and she wanted to join the basketball team. She bought tickets for a Van Halen concert that was going to be the week after her disappearance. So you can't say they wanted to run away. And she also has never been found. There was an article written on September 2022, which is is great to bring awareness, but nothing new as of now, if anything, of what happened to these young women. I hope answers come soon for them. Um, Deborah Meyer was 14 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was five foot four and 115 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She lived in Red Lodge, Montana, but she was visiting some relatives in Rollins, Wyoming on August 4th, 1974. Deborah was going to go for a walk to the movie theater, but never actually went there. She also never came home. Two others besides Carlene Brown went missing as well in the area, and I will mention Carlene shortly. Uh, Christine Gross um, from the Rollins Fairgrounds with Carlene Brown on July 4th and 10-year-old Jaylene Banker on August 23rd. Jaylene's remains were found in a field on April 24th, 1975. She was killed with a blow to the head. Uh, Christine's remains were found south of Sinclair, Wyoming in October 1983. She had two blows to the head. Deborah and Carlene have never been found. Royal Long was looked at for the two murders as well. Deborah Meyer has never been found and her family does not think she ran away. Even if she did, she should still be looking, looked at for. <coughs> I mean, sorry, they should be looking for her still. And that's just my opinion. The reason why Royal Long is a person of interest for these cases is because he lived in Rollins area at the time and worked at the fairs and carnivals, so it makes sense. Carlene Brown was 19 years old at the time of her disappearance. She has brown reddish hair and brown eyes. She also has surgical scars on the bigger toes of, her, of both her feet. On July 4th, 1974, Carlene Brown was last seen in Rollins, Wyoming with her friend Christine Gross. They went to the little... Bridges Rodeo at the fairgrounds on July 4th. Their car was found abandoned. The police think they left on their own, but time passed and no one had heard from them. But to me, you should still look. When the police found the remains of Christine's remains, um, they never found any sign of what happened to Carlene. They went missing together, though. So what happened to Carlene Brown? I don't know what happened to her, but I hope she is found and I hope these cases are solved and I hope her family gets some answers because this is drives me nuts when when people just go missing without a trace. It's it's insane to me. Sharon Baldigal, now this is the missing person Royal was actually tried for and convicted, but she has never been found. Sharon Baldigal was 12 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was last seen wearing a black and yellow top with a red bag. She has black hair and brown eyes. Sharon had a and a friend ran away together on September 18th, 1984 in South Dakota. They hitchhiked in Casper, Wyoming. They were picked up by Royal Long. He took them both to Evansville, Wyoming and gave them food. Sharon's friend said that he offered them money for sexual services. 
sorry. They declined that and he tied them up and sexually assaulted Sharon's friend. She ended up escaping and went for help. The police went to Royal's house, but both Sharon and Bald Sharon Bald Eagle and Russ um Royal were gone. One week later, Royal was found in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Sharon was not with him and he claimed to not know where she was. He claims that Sharon and her friend told him they were 18 and 19 years old and that Sharon's friend consented to having sex with him. I'm sorry, but Sharon was 12 at the time and her friend was 15. There is no way you believe they were 18 and 19. There is just no way. A 12-year-old? No. No, I'm sorry. After the sexual encounter, she demanded more than was agreed on and threatened to accuse him of rape. That's when he tied them up and he fell asleep. And then when he woke up, Sharon's friend was gone. He took Sharon to his truck and drove her to Cheyenne and put her on another vehicle going to Dallas, Texas. And Royal claims that is the last time he saw her. After he realized he was a suspect in Sharon's kidnapping, he went to Amarillo, Texas to see if he could find Sharon. But the police could not find if any of that was true. And if she really was on a truck, they couldn't identify the person driving it or making make or model of this truck. We will never know what happened to Sharon based on his knowledge, at least. I mean, I, I hope someday we find out what happened, but whatever he knew, he took to his grave. And if you think he had anything to do with Charlotte and Cinda, that went with him as well. I honestly think he had something to do with Charlotte and Cinda because, I mean, it's just unfortunate that there was so much circumstantial evidence. If they had concrete proof, he would have been found guilty. And then, you know, but I, I don't know. Um, I honestly think he did because he looks exactly like the sketch. Exactly. And uh, everybody, all the witnesses saying that he was with them, I, I definitely think he did that. He took them. I hope someone somewhere will come forward and say what happened with these poor young women. Their families deserve answers. Um, and unfortunately, that's all I have for you guys. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. And I will keep you updated on every single case that I have, especially the Jamine Ramsey one, because that one seems to be the most getting um, more answers, which is good. Um, so hopefully more comes soon for that. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you.